In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. spoken to everybody for a while, but I've been thinking about you. I hope you're all doing well. I hope your kids are out of school. I hope they're learning. I hope your parents are healthy and all your loved ones are are still talking to you. I have been fascinated by the world that we live in as of recently. In some ways, it's incredibly depressing. And I'll go into that in a minute. However, I think it was Rahm Emanuel who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And it's so true that the opportunities that surround us right now are equally as overwhelming as the feeling of despair. Let me try to flesh that out a little bit. You know, right now, is as much as people are being locked down, I think there's a whole lot of freedom. I think right now, people in positions of authority are desperately trying to reorganize society in a way that they seem to see fit. They want to change what we're thinking about. They want to change the world we live in. They want to change the environment around us. Fundamentally changing small businesses for large corporations, changing the tax structure, changing society. It's the great reset and it's the build back better. If you want to look into more detail on that, like there's certain think tanks that you could subscribe to, like the McKinsey Institute. Um, You know, you can look at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation website and you can kind of see the direction in which people want to go. But just because people want to go in a direction doesn't mean that's the direction we're going to go into. And that is where the freedom and the opportunity, I believe, lie for everyday working people. 
now more than ever, I think that we, and by we I mean obviously anybody who's listening to this, has the opportunity to make big changes. Let me give an example of education as, an, as just a quick example. So think for a moment about this great experiment that COVID-19 has thrust upon the world of education. There's a fantastic study at, uh, I think it's education.gov or nces.gov, and it talks about the educational aspects of what happened in 2021. And it's 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 really fascinating. It's, it goes into different ethnic groups. It goes into uh, single parents. And then it classifies how all the kids are performing. It says, I think, uh, there's all these different charts. And it's pretty much a child's education performance. And then it breaks down into other charts about, uh, it goes into different races. And it says, like, you know, white parents who are married are about 70% and 20% of white children live with their mom and 10% live with their dad and then it goes into like Asian parents Asian parents this is probably no surprise to anybody who who can who sees Asian Asian children excelling at school Asian children have their parents married at about 84% and you know, it's like 6% live with their mom and then the remainder live with their dad. It's sad to see that in the black community, there is something like 50% of black children come from a home with married parents. And then like, uh, you know, 40% or 45% live with their mom in a single mother household. And then like a small percentage live with their dad. And then it goes into uh, Pacific Islander, which is uh, a rather high percent. I think it's sixty percent, and it really breaks down stuff. Not, I don't, I don't say to 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 make it like a race thing, but more like a a cultural thing, kind of. You know, it's and then it, it continues to go on and talks about schools that don't have a lot of money and how they performed during the pandemic. And obviously, the, the poorer schools performed worse. The children that only had one parent performed considerably worse. And you can understand why. I mean, if your kid's on has to learn on Zoom, and they're five or six years old, and then you as a parent have to be there to help them be on Zoom, you know, and you're a single person, you're probably working. You might not be able to be there. You know, the, the reason I bring all this up is, we were talking about education and COVID-19 and, and opportunities. Well, this process of education, this process of COVID-19 is a transition. You see, I don't know, let me try to put it in pop culture a little bit. Has anybody seen that movie Ready Player One? Or hopefully you read the book, because the book is a million times better than the way they actually wrote the movie. The movie looks kind of lame. However... It doesn't change the fact that people put on a headset and they go to school, right? They put on a headset and they, they learn from people from God knows where. And you think about that, like it, if you think about it 
in an imaginative, creative way, it sounds kind of awesome. Imagine being in a digital school where you could have the best teachers from the world giving you a virtual tour of the Coliseum and you could, you know, you could probably be like a, a, a Roman warrior and you could be in the Coliseum fighting and you could learn so much about it. And that ideal sounds awesome. The problem is that's not what's happening and it's not what's going to happen. It's, that's more of a, uh, that's a headset with rose-colored glasses. What we see is that without discipline, without structure, children are not going to learn. You know, and, and it's this idealistic, utopian vision of saving every child. But in reality, it's just a way for corporations to, you know, force people into a virtual world because the real world around them is crumbling and dying. Not to mention, if you think about a lot of education in public school, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it education or is it indoctrination? It's more indoctrination, I think. And so the opportunity comes in where you as an individual right now, like you, you could start a YouTube channel. You could start your own method of teaching kids things, and if it, it, it could catch on. Like, there's no reason why it can't catch on. My daughter watches this show called Ryan's World, and it's just about this family that, like, plays games, and they do experiments, and they're like a really good family, and they do these things together, and a lot of kids watch it, and it's a, it's a beautiful understanding of what, a loving family could contribute to the world, I think. And so that's where the opportunity is. Especially if, you know, everybody you know is probably unique in some way and has different ways of expressing themselves or communicating ways or everybody knows that person who's like really good with kids or is just interesting or has fun things to say or is always positive. And the chances are you listening to this probably have some of those qualities. And if you have those qualities that are beneficial to society, I think you're almost obligated to share them. I know it can be scary to start a channel or start a podcast. However, think about what you're doing now. Like, what are you doing right now? Are you, I'm working on a Saturday. Like, I had to get up, leave my house, leave my family so I could work six days a week, you know, like 60 plus hours a week. And I would much rather take some time to provide awesome ideas and content to try and make the world a little bit better than get up and leave my family and everything I love and help a large corporation make tons of money. So it's just an idea that there is opportunity out there for everybody. And I want to try to shine a light in some of these darker times. On the topic of education, you know, I recently got to meet with some of my child's teachers and I got to ask them some questions about, you know, we had some great conversations and, and here's a few questions I asked and I'll speak a little bit upon how I felt about it and how our discussion went. Some of the questions I asked were, 
how do you feel that children wearing masks today is going to influence the world in 20 years? And I'm happy to tell you that the major, that every teacher I spoke to was doing everything they can to be the best teacher they can, but also understood the damage that was being done. And it was sad in a way because while the teachers are, the teachers in my kids' school are amazing and they're doing everything they can to be part of the children's future and they really work hard. But I could see the sadness in their eyes when they spoke about other children from different schools who were unable to have the privileges that maybe some of their children have. And the truth is, COVID-19, as far as an educational experiment, is going to widen the gap in education to a point where the children that didn't go to school for a year that were on the border of falling behind are now so far behind that they'll never catch up. And that's going to lead to the fact that they were gone for a year, the fact that they have to wear masks when they go to school now. You know, it's important to understand that a large part of communication comes from facial cues. You know, the wry smile on the girl with dry humor or the small smile that kind of pulls to the side when someone is joking or the stern look of a teacher to tell you to shut up. You know, all these nonverbal cues that you learn when you're a kid or, you know, all these communication cues we use with our face are being denied to the children of the future. And just the fact that a kid wears a mask is a way to shut them up, right? Like, it's a way of symbolizing compliance. It's a way of symbolizing your opinion doesn't matter. It's a way of symbolizing that you're not worthy of speaking. And while these things are not being said, they, the mask alone being a medical looking mask and hospitals being you know, places where people go to die the mask is a symbol of fear. And think about how sinister it is to subject a child to fear all day long. You don't have to think too hard because you, as an American, or you, as a citizen of a country, are under the same totalitarian propaganda instrument of fear all day long. Like that's what COVID is. It's an, it's a, it's an instrument of fear. Oh no, you're all going to die. You're not going to die. COVID is the flu. Albeit maybe a, maybe a heightened strain of flu. Maybe it leaks from a lab. Maybe it is a new variant of some kind. I don't thoroughly understand exactly what it is. But I know it's not what they're telling me. And the way you know that is to look at the propaganda that's coming out of the television. Look at the propaganda that's coming out of the actual uh, government right now. You know, think about 
think think about the laws being passed in the name of COVID. Think about the slogan, build back better. How can you build anything back until you've broken everything down? I think, in my opinion, what COVID is, is the beginning of a decade-long plan to re-engineer humanity. And let me be clear on what I mean by that. I think it's important to note the strategies of tech companies and their slogans. Move fast and break stuff. You know, think about that slogan. Like that is, that is the driving force behind the majority of tech companies. And I'll give you an example. Look at Uber. Uber came out of nowhere and they completely disrupted the ride-sharing economy. They invented a ride-sharing economy. And they got so big so fast, they became too big to fail. You know, similar with Amazon. Amazon got government contracts, and next thing you know, they're the biggest, baddest out there. And now they're too big to fail. But what's been happening over the last probably 20 years is that we have seen the corporate takeover of governments. And you're hearing a lot of rhetoric right now about how governments are horrible and they're dumb and they're stupid and they're corrupt. and That's all true. However, it's important to note what one of the greatest philosophers, John Dewey, said. And what he said is that governments are the shadows cast upon people by business. And I think that puts things in perspective. Our government has been bought and paid for for a long time. And what's happening now is that they're just taking the mask off. You know, they are sick and tired of having to play the game of, okay, we're going to write the bills and we're going to give them to a congressman and then the congressman is going to pretend to go up there and read it. They're sick of paying the bribes. They're sick of all the red tape, you know, and they're just taking the mask off and saying, look, we fucking have been running this show for the last 20 years. We're done playing games. It's just better that everybody knows. And that's difficult for a lot of people to understand. You know, I heard a quote one time that said, if you were born before 1970, you live in 1950. If you're born after 1970, you live in 2010. You know, a lot of people today, if you think about the older generation, like they believe the United States is 50 states that are run by a, that are, stay true to a constitutional document and they have these rights and, you know, nothing is further from the truth. The United States is not the United States that you were told of when you went and learned civics in high school. That's not what we live in anymore. The Constitution, unfortunately, is not the law of the land. It is not something that people stand by or behind. It is something that is used when it's purposeful. Let me give you another example of 
of this idea, this antiquated idea of nation states that like we all hold dear to us. Like we, we believe we live in nation states. But let me tell you, at least in my opinion, of some things that will help you at least maybe try to see my... You may not agree with me, but let me try to illuminate to you why I think what I think. Do you guys remember the Bundy Ranch? For those of you that don't know, there was a guy and his family that lived on this ranch, and it had been in his family for generations. And he raised all his cattle on there, and one day the like ATF and the, the parks and forest came in, and they said, oh yeah, sorry Mr. Bundy, this ranch is ours. And they wanted to take something, you know, maybe 150 acres. I, I don't know, I forgot the exact amount, but... They just came in and they said, this is ours. And he said, no, fuck you, it's not yours. Get off my property or I'll shoot you. And so he ran him off his property. And he went and told his local, all his neighbors and everybody. And and the co- you know, the, the, they had a big meetings about it. And then the, uh, the government said, listen, we're going to come and take this property. It's no longer yours. It's, it's a national park. And so about a month later... 150 troops came, you know, ATF, CIA guys, FBI guys, you know, they brought in like a, a, a militant group of people to seize the land. And when they showed up, they were surprised to see that Bundy had recruited his own militia and his guys were sitting up on the hills and they had the government surrounded. And you know, he walks out there, and it was it was almost like a, it would look like a couple captains getting ready for the coin toss at a football game. So you have Bundy go out, and you have some, some uh, big wig government guys go out, and they're, you know, they are, es- both of them are escorted on each side by guys with, like, AR-15s. And they're sitting there talking, and, you know, the government's like, it's our land. And Bundy's like, well, come and take it. You know, and they had like a, a good old-fashioned Mexican standoff. But the government was outnumbered. And they ultimately backed down. Because they realized it had national attention. And they realized what they were doing was wrong. The most important question about that particular scenario is, why did they want to seize his land? Well, they wanted to seize his land because one senator had sold that land to China. They had sold that land to be used as a solar farm. And so that's an example of what our government has been doing, not only in our country, but in all countries. And that's the process of globalization. What's been happening is that, you know, government officials have been selling resources in our country to other countries, to other corporations. The same thing happened with Uranium One when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were in office. They were selling uranium from the United States, taking it to Canada, and then selling it to Russia, which the people, some people say it made its way over to Iran, which would be the ultimate irony if we got hit with a nuclear weapon where the uranium came from our own country. You know, you can, you can begin to see the problems there. And this is a great segue into globalization being a form of resource allocation. 
right? We hear a lot about climate change, and we hear a lot about saving the planet. But these are all just euphemisms for seizing resources. You know what I mean by that? Like, why is it that Nestle can suck all the water out of California? And, like, no one even talks about it. Like, it's, it's because the state of California has sold their water rights to a corporation. That's what's happening. And it's happening all throughout the world. In fact, it's kind of the Chinese model. You know, when, when you hear Elon Musk or some of these big tech guys say that China is the model for the future, they're not saying that communism is the future. What they're saying is the merger of government power with corporate structure is the future, right? And that's why you hear, when, when you hear people talk about Build Back Better, you hear a lot of rhetoric about public-private partnerships. Public-private partnerships. What's a public-private partnership? Well, it has a nice flow to it, doesn't it? Like, oh yeah, the public is going to be working with this private company and it's going to be great. But is it? You know, when I think of public-private partnerships, I think of, of privatizing profits and socializing losses. And that's exactly what they're going to do. You're going to see large infrastructure projects begin to happen. However, it doesn't necessarily have... Like, if you're in California, you're going to see some Chinese companies coming in and building huge roads huge rails and that's going to be funded on your dime as a taxpayer so you're the public and you will pay this foreign corporation to build in your state and this is the this is what's going on in congress this is what's going on at the world economic forum and this is what's going on throughout our world right here it's also what's going to continue to be going on and it's hitting some snags right now. And like that, that is why you're seeing the COVID crisis continue to be what it is. In order for the large multinational corporations from all countries to seize control of the entire financial apparatus, it's imperative that small businesses be cast aside. They can't have, there's no room for you as a business owner to be competing with the likes of Walmart or Amazon or you know whatever giant conglomerate the government has decided will take over that industry in the name of efficiency and effectiveness a small number of technocrats have decided that as the arbiters of the greater good they know what's best for everybody let's think about healthcare for a minute the healthcare system in the United States is is a problem for a lot of reasons. You know, we tried to pass healthcare for everybody, it didn't work. The amount of strings attached by insurance companies and big drug companies are so incredibly tied in this Gordian knot of corruption that it's un it's you're not able to untangle them. We're one of only two countries in the world where you're allowed, where, where 
drug companies are allowed to advertise on television. And you can see this happening. You can see the effect of this happening on your own family. At least I can. Like I, I remember I talked to my dad a while back, and he was telling me about, oh, man, you got to go get your shingle shot, George. And I'm, I said, what? what are you talking about? He's like, oh, yeah, man, there's a lot of shingles going around right now. And I thought to myself, like, I don't know. I've never, I don't know anybody that has shingles. I haven't even heard of that term in like 20 years. And I started thinking to myself, like, oh, well, you know, he came from Oregon. Maybe there's an outbreak there or something. And maybe it's just not where I am. And then uh, because he came to stay in, in Hawaii where I am, I went to go hang out with him for the day. And he was at his place and he had the TV on. And he goes, hey, I'm going to get ready and then I'll be ready to go in a little bit. So I sat there and I was kind of reading and I had, I had the TV on in the background. My dad was watching like Fox News or something like that. And on the TV I hear, ask your doctor about getting the new shingle shot. Most people who are over the age of 50 are in danger of getting shingles if they've had chicken pox. And it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks like, oh my God, my dad has this goddamn TV on five hours a day. And, like, he clearly leaves it on when he's walking around the house. And it's just, you know, this propaganda is just seeping into his head. He went out and got a shingle shot because the TV told him to. You know what? I, I think it's the, the most vulnerable people are being targeted. And by most vulnerable, I mean, like, the kids who are home alone, whose parents let them watch TV and... You know, our parents, like the boomer generation who are retired and maybe their kids are out of the house so they just sit home and watch TV all day. You know, TV is a drug. TV is something you take into your, into your body and it changes your perception about how you see the world. Imagine, imagine doing a drug for like five or seven hours a day, man. Like you, you see the world differently. Like imagine some crackhead just doing a bunch of blow for seven hours a day. They're a fucking wreck. You know, or if you just, you know, it, it's it's probably worse than coke or meth, man. Like, it just gets in your head and it makes you do shit that is wrong. And that's a big part of, you know, look at it this way. If, if you look out your window right now, it probably looks pretty peaceful. Like, you probably look out there and you can see some, like right now I can see some palm trees swinging, some cars passing. It's pretty quiet. But if you look through your TV as a lens, it's chaos. There's people in the streets. There's people shooting everybody. Everyone's dying of COVID. And you got to get all these shots. Like, it's, it's a different lens in which you're being shown reality. But in reality, it's not reality. It's the reality that people in positions of authority want you to see. It's behavior modification. And it's fundamentally changing the way we work as a society. And so, in some ways, I think it's, it's, it's so silly, it's so dumb, that it's causing those who have eyes to see and those who have ears to hear are beginning to see the cracks in the foundation. In some ways, I believe the internet is the great equalizer, even with the censorship. You know, I think it was Julian Assange who said that censorship 
is a something to celebrate. I know it sounds crazy, but he says censorship is something that should be celebrated because that means that the power structure is so fragile that they must stop people from hearing certain words. Like, that's how fragile it is. And there's a lot of truth to that right now. Like, our entire economy is built on a lie. Our entire system of healthcare is built on lies. And this COVID-19 is a distraction to stop you from thinking critically. It's to stop you from going, hey, how much money are the, are the drug companies making? You know, let's think about the rhetoric. Sometimes you'll hear, oh, this is a, this is a uh, pandemic of the unvaxxed. Think about that. Really? It's a, it's a crisis of the unvaxxed? The problem with that is that, you know, I think like 8% or 9% of Africa is unvaxxed. You know why they're unvaxxed? Because the pharmaceutical companies will not allow their patent product to be given to third world countries. They will only sell it to them at the highest price possible. So if this is a pandemic of the unvaxxed, are not the drug companies responsible for that? Instead, they want everybody in your country to get two shots, three shots, four shots, five shots. You know, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of mental horsepower to understand the new model for healthcare is to, there's a new variant, okay, we're going to make a new vaccine. It's Medicare on demand. It's a subscription service, and it doesn't even really work, I don't think. There are some echoes of doctors. Uh, I think Dr. Robert Malone, he invented the RNA technology, and what he says is that the vaccines are the variants. So you get a vaccine and it stops the one, the original variant, it may stop that. However, it causes the vaccine to mutate. And that's where these mutations are coming from. You know, Gibraltar, 100% vaccination rate. They have like the biggest outbreak of the Omicron, Omicron or whatever the hell it is. You know, something to think about. If you jumble the words around in Omnicrom, it spells moronic. Just think about that for a minute. Same thing with Israel. They're like one of the highest vaccinated places. They have the highest counts of COVID. You know, they want you to wear a mask and stay six feet apart. But the Omnicrom virus came from South Africa. It jumped over the whole freaking Atlantic Ocean. If it can jump the Atlantic Ocean... And only vaccinated people can travel on planes. How did it get here? What good is a mask or what good is six feet if the virus can jump the ocean? You see, it doesn't make logical sense. The only logical explanation is that it's a distraction. It's a lie. And you have to peel back that onion. And it's difficult because when you peel back onions, you might want to start crying. Our country is being gutted. The financial infrastructure is being debated right now. When you hear about a, a $3.5 trillion spending bill for infrastructure, 
that is large corporations and corrupt government officials trying to decide who should get the payoff. That's what that is. You know, I there's a great there's a very interesting woman called Catherine Austin Fitz and she used to be the secretary of housing under the George Bush administration. I recommend that you all take a look and and, and look up some of her videos. I think she has a site called solarireport.com. And she has just some fascinating information about what's happened over the last 20 years. She talks a lot about how the tangible dollar bills, the actual money of the United States, was taken out of our economy. And now all we have left are like these digital representations of ones and zeros. And She talks a lot about how during 9-11, what 9-11 was, according to Catherine Austin Fitz, was the destroying of the evidence of the looting of our country. And she says that in Tower 7, you had all the records of like Enron. You had all these records of these black budget operations where they just stole all the money. The wing of the Pentagon that blew up was actually a part of the Pentagon that was investigating the loss of like $21 trillion. And she says effectively today, what you have running the government is a conglomerate of defense contractors, pharmaceutical companies, and insurance companies. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, who do you think makes the rules? The, like, AOC and Chuck Schumer and... You think those guys make the rules? Or do you think insurance companies make the rules? Like, think about how powerful insurance companies are. They just say to you, well, if you don't do what I say, then you can't go to the doctor. If you don't do what I say, then I'm going to raise your premium to a point where you can't even afford it. You know, they, insurance companies have the ability to legislate behavior. And that's what they do. I think that's a big reason why. I read an article that talked a lot about how much money that insurance companies are paying out right now because of COVID. And that's a big part of why they want everyone to get a vaccine. If you get a vaccine, it takes away the liability of the corporation. It takes away the liability from the insurance companies because you can't sue. You cannot have any sort of real recourse against the drug agencies because you sign that away. When you go to get your shot, you sign a waiver that says, I will not sue people. I don't know what's in this thing, but I promise that I won't sue anybody. And as soon as you do that, you no longer have any recourse. And that's what that's what a lot of insurance companies need you to do because they don't have the money to pay everybody out for this. Not only do they have not have money to pay out people for COVID, but they don't have enough money to pay out the annuities, the social security benefits. Like they, they don't have the money to pay people. So they find themselves in a crisis where like, holy shit, what are we going to do? That's why you see the Fed printing money. There's, you know, there's still, the Federal Reserve is still in a point of quantitative easing where they're buying $36 billion a month. Think about that. $36 billion a month. 
Like, think about how much money that is. That's just to fill the hole. Imagine having like a big bucket and you're pouring water in there. And 36 billion gallons are just falling out of the bottom. And as that, as they're pumping in 36 billion, society is still crumbling. Like, it, it can't continue that way. And that's why we have COVID. That's why we have camps being built in Australia. That's why you're seeing people in the streets all over Europe. The shit is about to hit the fan. And I think it's amazing that we've held it together this long. I think another point is the supply chain issue. Like if there's clearly a supply chain issue and if everybody's seen what they call shrinkflation. If you go to Costco, the 40-ounce bottle is now a 20-ounce bottle, but it's the same price. You know, if you get a bag of chips, it's half the size it used to be. It might have some cool new colors and a new design, but it's half the size. You know, less is more, only it costs more. Think about your house. Do you own a house? Do you own a condo? Is your house and property going up in value or is the dollar going down in value? Which one do you think it is? What do you think happens to middle managers when the CEOs just pull the plug on them? You know, what happens to the guy who gets up and goes to work every day and has like six kids living paycheck to paycheck? And having a tough time at work and all of a sudden, you know, his 20 bucks an hour is now worth five bucks an hour. You know, it's the same 20, but now he can only buy five. He only, it's only five dollars worth of purchasing power, but he's still making 20. But food is going up. Housing's going up. Electricity's going up. Like that guy is going to fucking going to start having some ideas of workplace violence, right? And he's not going to take out the CEO. He's not going to take out the board of directors. He's going to take out the middle manager who thinks that they're somehow doing good. And in a weird way, like if you're conspiracy-minded, look at all the people that we've put in positions of authority lately. They're not the best and the brightest. They're like mascots. We have put a bunch of people in positions of authority that are fucking dummies, man. Like they, they, <laughs> at, at a lot of places, the people in charge, the people with the most authority would be the people who were picked last for kickball in fifth grade. You know what I mean by that? Like they're there because they'll do exactly what they're fucking told to do. They're there because they got a chip on their shoulder because they've never made it in life. And those are going to be the people that get that face the brunt of the manifestation of anger of the working people. They're going to catch the pitchforks. Not the guys up top. Not the guys in the boardroom. Those guys are going to walk away with everything. But the middle managers, the ones that finally feel as if they've accomplished something in life is because they've begun climbing the corporate ladder. The only problem is they've been climbing the corporate ladder their whole life and when they get to the top, they find out that the ladder was against the wrong wall. And now they're fucked. But that's what I got for now, guys. I, I, uh, I love all of you. 
and I hope you're preparing. I hope I'm wrong about most of this stuff. I do. And maybe I'm a, just a lunatic. That's That part's for sure. I'm definitely a lunatic. But, you know, I, I think a lot of what I'm telling you is at least half true. And if you just think about some of these things I'm saying, I, I think it'll start making sense. Like, if you just... It's hard because you don't want to think about this stuff, but you have to. If you choose not to think about what I'm telling you, then... You know, if you think about it, you can write it off. You're like, hey, George is crazy. But I, I honestly think if you just take time to research some of the stuff I'm telling you, you'll find that it's true. Or it's at least true enough. The policies people are putting out don't make any sense unless the whole thing's coming down. The lies are being put out for everybody to see. And I, I, I do. I think there's opportunity. I think that if people wake up and see what's happening, we as a group can make conscious decision to do what's best for our future. So that's what I got for right now. I love you guys. I hope everything's going great. I hope you spend time with your family and you tell them you love them and you do your own research and you know you fight for what you believe in. I'm a big believer and people should have the freedom to choose and I want my kid and your kid and you and your family to be able to choose to do what you think is right. Because that's what I think is right. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine I've been doing the podcast for about five years last year I decided to take the plunge well circumstances dictated that I took the plunge and I did I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.